0: morning everyone uh, today especially it's helpful to have your bible open there in front of you as we're going to work through that passage we'll move quickly at some points we'll move slowly at other points uh, but please yeah have that open there act 16 and uh, you'll have your outline there as well which will help in where we're going let's pray Gracious Father, we give you praise that in Acts we see you drawing a people to yourself through faith in your Son. We praise you that we today are the ongoing evidence of that and your work in the world. And we pray that you'd help us to rejoice and to follow the great examples we see in this passage. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Who are the Christians that you look up to? Uh, who are those people that you've looked to, to know how to follow Jesus? I looked up to them and their example. Uh, I have many of them. An older man named Bill, who when I was a young Christian, young adult, uh, I, he took the time to read the Bible with me and asked me how my faith was going. Uh, another man, Ed, who, he showed me what a life of sacrificial service and ministry looked like. Uh, and my parents, of course, my parents Uh, I watched their example as they've been following Jesus for more than 30 years. Uh, Today in our passage we see Paul in Macedonia and it's the Christians in Macedonia that Paul says are the example to be followed. Uh, Did you know that? Hopefully by the end of this morning we'll see that as we look at Acts 16 and the scriptures together. But first, we're going to get our bearings in Acts again. Uh, we've been following the adventures of the Apostle Paul as he preaches the gospel and as he plants churches around the world. Uh, but last week, he took a bit of a break from that because of a controversy. Paul and Barnabas and the apostles, they met in Jerusalem to settle the debate. Do the Gentiles who follow Jesus, do they have to be circumcised to be saved? And the decision was no. We, sinners, Jew or Gentile, are saved by grace alone, through faith alone. It is a gift, it is not by works. Praise God. And then Paul went on with the task. He just kept going to preach that message. And he set out again from Antioch, here in the east on this map. He set out from Antioch on his second missionary journey. So he sets off, this time with Silas. Uh, a famous preacher in the New Testament, Silas, uh, and he travels to the places, the churches he's already planted before. He travels through Syria, Cilicia, before he reaches Lystra and Derbe, where he's been before. Uh, And along the way, uh, you may remember, he grabs Timothy and takes him along with him. Timothy, one of the most famous men in the New Testament, uh, so Paul, he encouraged the Christians in those places. The churches were strengthened in faith. They're, they grew in number. And so on Paul keeps going through Galatia and Phrygia. This is all in modern day Turkey. Uh, and now that we've reached our passage for today, something a little bit different happens at the beginning. See, it's at this point that Paul and his mates encounter some problems, but they're not the same problems they faced before. Before, they've faced persecution or they've had to deal with false teaching. But look at what happens in our passage today. In our chapter, what do we see? Paul's ministry in Macedonia with Silas, with Timothy. But first, we see how they get to Macedonia. Let's go back to the right slide. Here we go. Uh, And it seems, actually, that it wasn't Paul's intention to get to Macedonia. Look at the problem that they face. Look at chapter 16, verse 6 says they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia and were prevented by the Holy Spirit from speaking the message in Asia. That's West Turkey for us. Uh, They came to Mysia in the northwest and they tried to go in Bithynia to the north, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So God, the Holy Spirit, is stopping these men from proclaiming Jesus in these places. That seems weird, doesn't it? How did he do that? we don't know. It doesn't say at all. Uh, We don't know how, but we do discover why. Why is the Holy Spirit stopping them? Let's read on. Well, first, they reach Troas, all the way in the west there. This is a port city. It's on the sea. uh, And when they go to bed that night, Paul has a vision. The Holy Spirit reveals why he's been stopping them from preaching and sending them west. Have a look at verse 9. It says during the night a vision appeared to Paul a Macedonian man was standing and pleading with him cross over to Macedonia and help us after he had seen the vision we immediately made efforts to set out for Macedonia concluding that God had called us to evangelize them see why did the holy spirit stop them up until this point they tried to preach the gospel in Asia in Bithynia but God had another plan he wanted them to go to Macedonia cross over into europe now there's a few lessons here for us to take from this Uh, and the big thing is this god might guide his people in different ways but ultimately he does whatever he pleases See, it's important that we're careful in how we apply what's happening here to us today. We don't know how the Holy Spirit prevented these men from preaching the gospel in those places. So it's not wise or good for us to make conclusions based on our circumstances and say, oh, clearly God wants me to do this, or he doesn't want me to do that. Uh, We need to make sure that we're reading and listening to God's clear scriptures, not our hunches. God guides us by his His living and true word, uh, but... Here, in this episode, Paul does get a vision, doesn't he? And it's true that Paul, more than 99% of all Christians, he had visions and revelations given to him. He's an apostle and he stood out in that way. Uh, But what people often don't notice is that the visions even stood out for Paul. Uh, They didn't happen to him all the time. They only happened here and there. The rest of the time he used his reason, he used his gospel wisdom to work out where to go and who to speak to. And in fact, Paul, he intentionally played down the fact that he had visions and dreams because he didn't want people's faith to be based on him. He wanted it to be based on Jesus, the gospel. And here you can see that they, Paul and his mates, this is the other thing that happens, they then test the vision. So look at verse 10, it says they concluded together. They sat down and worked it out together after Paul had this vision and together they decided, yes, God is calling us to Macedonia, but they did it. They had to work it out together. See, there's wisdom there for us. Uh, We may or may not get visions. But if you do think that you have a word from God or something like that, or if you have a big decision to make in your life, then what do you do? Well, first, you use your mind and you use the wisdom of God's word. You test all things against God's clear word in the scriptures. And then, if you still have to keep thinking about it, you talk to your brothers and sisters in Christ about You don't go rogue and just go off and do something yourself. No, you be open to being challenged and that maybe the decision that you want to make is not the best decision and you listen to the wisdom of your church family. But even bigger than all that is this. God does whatever he pleases, doesn't he? Do you think you can really understand and discern all the plans of God for your life and the world? Do you really think that you can stop what he ultimately wants? See, we've been reading Ephesians in our gospel teams, our small groups, during the week. And in chapter 1, God gets called the one who works out everything in agreement with the decision of his will. Don't presume to know all of God's mind; Simply submit to his word and, and his wisdom and plans. No one can stop his plans. The Holy Spirit here does whatever he pleases. He sends these men wherever he wants them to go. That's what we see happening here. So Paul, at this point... Uh, Sorry, God at this point wanted Paul in Macedonia to preach the gospel to reach those people he had chosen and set apart for eternal life there. So straight away they set off for Macedonia and they passed through some of the towns until they reached the big city of Philippi in Macedonia. And it's at this point that Luke slows right down and he tells us all these wonderful things that happen in Philippi. Philippi it doesn't exist as a city for us today, but Philippi, it's a hugely important place in the Bible. In Paul's letter to the Philippians, years later, he says about them, I have you in my heart. You are my joy and my crown. You are dearly loved and longed for, he says. And it seems that this church, more than any other church in the whole New Testament, was generous Above all the rest. So, here, this is the beginning of that church, the first people here who come to know Jesus. And we get just some gold moments along the way. So, there's a lot here. We're going to jump through the story and dip in at a few points and see the amazing things that God did there. So, come with me. The first person we meet is uh, a lady named Lydia. And there's no Jewish synagogue in Philippi, but there is a place of prayer out by the river. For a tiny number of Jews in that city. So Paul and his gang, they meet up. They proclaim Jesus to some women there. And they're listening is a woman named Lydia. She's actually not a Jew. She's a Gentile, she, but she worships God. She's come to know the God of Israel. So in one sense, she's the prime candidate for faith. She knows what the Old Testament says. She knows the Messiah is coming. But look at how Paul puts it in verse 14. This is one of those stunning verses. A woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, who worshipped God, was listening. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was spoken by Paul. As she hears about Jesus, the Messiah, the Saviour, the risen Lord, Jesus himself opens her heart to, to hear, to accept Paul's message, to believe in Jesus himself. That's a wonderful moment. Never skate over a verse like that. See, when the good news of Jesus is preached, yes, someone has to preach it faithfully. Yes, it must be clear. Yes, someone must plant the seed. Someone has to speak it. We have to open our mouths. But God brings the growth. Jesus, by his Holy Spirit, opens the hearts of people to believe, to pay attention to what is being said. Remember that. Remember that and let it humble you. It's not because of your intellect that you believed in Jesus. It's because Jesus opened your eyes. Remember that and rejoice that he is at work in you. So straight away she's baptized, Lydia, and so is her whole household. Maybe her servants or her children, we don't know. uh, But they were all saved that day. The Lord is at work. This is the beginning of the church in Philippi. And it's meant to get us excited. Another person, another household in a new city Has come to know Jesus. Praise God. Does that not stir you? Well, then the boys, Paul and the boys, they keep up their ministry in Philippi and more amazing things happen. As Paul continues to proclaim Jesus, they meet a demon possessed girl. She's a slave and she makes money for her owners by fortune telling. Now, we might have all kinds of questions about this girl, excuse me and her abilities, and this demon. Uh, but at this point, Paul, uh, Luke, he's not interested in those questions. He just wants to show us the power of Jesus. Look at verse 18. For whatever reason, Paul puts up with her for a few days, uh, but then he's fed up. Look at verse 18. Paul was greatly aggravated, and turning to the Spirit, said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out right away. Such is the power and the name of Jesus. Satan and his demons who hold this world in sway, they don't stand a chance. What's the lesson for us? Demons and evil spirits are real. Here they are. But if you're in Jesus, if you're with him, you have nothing to fear. If you're in Jesus and he's the Lord and his spirit is in you, he rules over them. He's defeated them what can we fear? Nothing. But this then triggers a chain of events that I think Paul was trying to avoid. When the slave girl's owners realize they can't make money off her anymore in her fortune telling, they are livid. And so they grab Paul and Silas. They take, him, uh, to the author- they take them to the authorities. They accuse them of being reckless and, and meddling. And then we get another one of those kind of chaotic frenzies in the book of Acts. We see this clear picture of what humanity is really like. Look at verse 22. There's no trial. There's no evidence. They, they just accuse and then they strip Paul and Silas and they beat their backs with rods and then they throw them into the deepest cell of the prison and chain them up. It's horrible. It's, it's a great injustice. Now I'm sure this is not the ideal situation that Paul wanted and had planned when he cast out that demon but it doesn't take... God by surprise. No, this falls exactly in what God was planning because he then uses this for his glory. See, we get the famous story of the Philippian jailer, one of the most famous conversion stories in the Bible. Just look at it again and see how beautiful it is. It starts in verse 25. Look there. What do Paul and Silas do in their dark situation? How do they respond? They pray. They sing. They can't sleep from their wounds and they're, they're the hard prison floor. Maybe it's cold and they have these chains on. So what do they do? Through the night, they sing hymns of praise to God. It's like we've been seeing in the book of Ephesians again in our gospel teams. Paul and Silas know that they have every spiritual blessing in Christ. And so whatever happens, whatever happens to our circumstances, whatever happens to our bodies nothing can take those things away. They can't help but sing the praise and glory of God even in this situation. And all the prisoners can hear. See, God uses it for his glory. Paul and Silas sing God's praises through their suffering. Everyone can hear it. Is there any more powerful testimony than that? Then when God's people, through their struggles and through their suffering, hold on to faith in Jesus... And continue to declare his praises. It's what the world looks on and sees, and, and they can see, the power of the gospel. And that Jesus is worth it. But it's now that God decides to act again and do his version of a prison break. Uh, we all love a good prison break story. Here's God's one. Have a look at verse 26. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake... That the foundations of the jail were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer, he's meant to be guarding all these people. And he wakes up, he sees the whole place wide open. He knows his boss is not going to be happy with him. So much so that he thinks he's going to kill me, so I'm going to take that into my own hands now. But Paul, he stops, and he says, stop. He shouts and says, we're all here. But the jailer, shocked and humbled, well, he knows something amazing has happened and he knows... That it must be Paul's God who's done this. He falls down before Paul and Silas and he asks the most important question that anyone can ask. Look at verse 30. He says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What a question. See, that's the question that every single person should ask. It's the question that every Christian wants to hear from their friends and family, isn't it? Uh, I I was once asked this question by someone. Uh, It was a guy who was invited to church by someone, uh, and uh, it was their first time to church. After the service, I introduced myself. I was trying to be friendly, and and straight away the person said, so what do do you have to do to be saved? And I was like, oh, okay. We're into this already. This is wonderful. Uh, Sadly, he wasn't um, very interested uh, like the man in Philippi was. Uh, He was more just kind of intrigued about what Christians believe. Um, but it was still a joy to, to be able to speak the gospel to him. I don't know what's happened to him after this that day. But this man at Philippi, he's different. He is ready to hear. He is ready to believe the gospel. Look at what Paul says to him in verse 31. So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the message of the Lord to him along with everyone in his house. There it is again. The wonderful message of the gospel. We are saved by the grace of God, simply through faith in Jesus. He forgives our sin through Jesus' death and resurrection. And how does he respond to that news? Look at verse 33. How good is this? He, the jailer, took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. Right away, he and all his family were baptized. He brought them into his house, set a meal before them and rejoiced because he had believed God with his entire household. See, there is the power of God on full display. Do you think the earthquake was powerful? This is God's powerful, powerful work of bringing someone from death to life. But it's not just the jailer. It's his whole family who believes and is saved. It's everyone in his house, maybe servants or maybe children or a wife. We don't know. But the gospel keeps bearing fruit. And this man, he's transformed, isn't he? And he shows love to Paul and Silas and cares for those men who shared Jesus with him. Notice again uh, that it says as well, right away they baptised him, just like with Lydia. For whatever reason, uh, often people today, they come to faith in Jesus, but then they don't get baptised, sometimes for a really long time, sometimes for years. Now, uh, there might be many reasons that we can point to for that, the causes, uh, but can you see that's not the pattern as it comes to us in the book of Acts? In Acts and elsewhere, it's you believe in Jesus, okay, where's the water? (laughs) And you're baptized straight away. And see, if if baptism is this symbol of salvation, of Jesus washing us clean and making us new through faith in him, then it makes sense for that to happen when that faith first starts. And, and And as well as that, it's just a wonderful opportunity for celebration in God's family. And so if you, for whatever reason, it doesn't really matter what the reason is, uh, but if you're a follower of Jesus and you still need to be baptized, well, you need to make it happen. Talk to us today. Put it on your feedback slip. Don't delay in the joy and celebration that that wonderful symbol is. And it's not like you must be saved to be, you must be baptized to be saved. Uh, We're saved by grace through faith. And it's not like it's some special next step to take when you're baptised. No, faith is the big step. I try to help people understand this sometimes. They're like, oh, I couldn't, I couldn't be baptised. That's too big a step. I'm like, have you turned from idols to serve the living and true God? That's the big step. That's, that's turning away from false religion and turning to the one true God. Baptism is simply a symbol of the grace you receive when you do that. So don't delay if that's you. Take Jesus at his word. He said to his disciples, he said to his disciples, Go and baptize. And Peter said, Repent and be baptized every one of you. And I'm sure that all of us together will rejoice with you when we see you stand up here and receive that wonderful symbol. It doesn't get better than that. Did you know that our next Sunday there's a new Christian being baptized at our Bexley North service? Praise God for that. And next Sunday as well, we're baptizing my little boy Eli next Sunday morning. So now two households in Philippi have come to know Jesus. I should say, we should have got Eli baptized sooner, according to what I just said. But anyway, don't worry about that. Uh, So now two households in Philippi have come to know Jesus and salvation in him. It didn't go to Paul's plan, did it? But it went exactly to God's plan. This is the birth of the church in this city. It's beautiful. We should rejoice in this. It might seem like humble beginnings, but this is God's power at work in the world. The gospel is God's power for salvation to everyone who believes. This is him breaking in to history and shining light in the darkness. It is wonderful. Well, all this happens in the middle of the night. It was a really big night for these guys. And in the morning, the authorities, they want to wrap up this matter. Off you go, Paul and Silas. We don't even care about what we've done to you. You can leave. But Paul is like, no, no. Uh, You beat us in public without a trial. You put us in jail for no reason. And we're Roman citizens. He plays the Roman citizen card. And so the officials, they're afraid now. They apologize. They plead with Paul and Silas, please leave. We don't want to get in trouble for what we've done to you. Uh, And so Paul and Silas, well, off they go. They drop into Lydia's house on the way. They say goodbye to the Christians and off they go. And that's the amazing events in Philippi, the Lord at work. Uh, Why not read the book of Philippians this week? And you can see, years later, what Paul and the Philippians said to one another to encourage each other as they continued in faith. Well now, in the last part of our passage, Paul is in the other parts of Macedonia, in Thessalonica and Berea. And there's a few encouragements and lessons to draw from here. We won't delve into it all, but we'll dip in as we go. So the next town that Paul goes to with Silas is Thessalonica. You can go to this city today uh, and we can see in chapter 17 what happens there. So what happens? Three uh, Things play out in the same way that they did in other places. For three weeks, uh, Paul preached in the Jewish synagogues that Jesus is the Messiah. Uh, praise God, some of the Jews believed and many, many Gentiles believed. God is at work, the gospel bears fruit, the church is born. And as usual, what happens? The Jews who refuse to believe stir up trouble and a riot and an attack uh, and they they attack the Christians trying to find Paul and Silas. They they grab a man called Jason, a faithful man, and he refuses to give up where Paul and Silas are. And so the authorities, they find him uh, and then Jason and the believers that night, they send off Paul and Barnabas, not Paul and Silas, Freud and Slip, Uh, Paul and Silas off to the next town. And that's just another example, I think, if we stop and think about it of the gospel transforming people. See, these people uh, defended Paul and Silas, hid them, sent them off, risked their lives because Jesus is worth it. He's worth the risk. He's worth the the pain or the physical harm or the loss of money or security. Uh, The gospel of grace is good enough to hold on to and live by. So you can see more of their example in the book of Thessalonians. Uh, So Paul was in Thessalonica. He then wrote to the Thessalonians years later. Why not read 1 and 2 Thessalonians this week? And so off Paul and Silas go to the next town. This is our last part in Macedonia. This is the city of Berea. Uh, today this city is called Varia, And something amazing happens in Berea. It doesn't happen anywhere else. So look at chapter 17, verse 11. Paul and Silas preach in the synagogue and, verse 11, the people here were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica. Since they welcomed the message with eagerness and examined the scriptures daily to see if these things were so, consequently, many of them believed, both Jews and Gentiles. See, this is a great uh, model for us. These are people who trust in the word of God. They examined and tested everything Paul was saying against the Old Testament scriptures. And because they knew the scriptures and because they looked at them, they were like, yes, yes, Of course Jesus is the Messiah. Of course he's the one that all the Old Testament has been pointing to. And so many people were saved as they believed. That's a wonderful model for us. God's word is the source of our truth. It's our source of authority. Uh, Does something contradict it? This comes above it. Are you a Berean believer who will examine the scriptures and test all things against it? I pray that we are all Berean believers. But again, the unbelieving Jews, they stir up trouble. Paul has to flee, and off he goes to Greece, to Athens. And we'll learn more about that next week. But now, let's bring it together and wrap it up. You see, the thing about Paul's ministry in Macedonia is that the Macedonian Christians became examples to the rest of the world. See, God had a plan to send Paul. It wasn't his plan, but God had a plan to send him so that the gospel would bear fruit there. And this fruit would be... Different to the rest. They were an example to all other Christians across the world. Look at what Paul says. Look at a few verses of what Paul says about these Christians. In 2 Corinthians 8, Paul says, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God granted to the churches of Macedonia. During a severe testing by affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in a wealth of generosity. See, the Macedonians were extremely poor yet extremely generous. They begged for the privilege of giving. That's their example to us. We'll look at 1 Thessalonians 1. Paul says, You became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia, Greece. For the Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place that your faith in God has gone out. And there are other places where Paul says similar things. These Christians are examples for us to follow. The Macedonian believers, Lydia, the Philippian jailer, uh, Jason from Thessalonica, the scripture-hungry Bereans, and many more who aren't named. They are all examples of faith and love and generosity and boldness for Jesus. So again, I encourage you this week, pick up the book of Philippians. Pick up uh, one and two Thessalonians and read their example and follow it. But more than that, Jesus deserves the glory. Isn't that right? Because it's his gospel. And it's his grace that transformed them. It's it's Jesus who sent Paul and Silas to preach the good news. It's Jesus who opened Lydia's heart to believe. It's him who brought those Macedonians to himself to the glory of God the Father. It's Jesus who works in us by the same gospel. And So let's pray that he would work in us and grow us like these Macedonian Christians. I'm going to pray one of Paul's prayers that he wrote to the Macedonians. We're going to pray this wonderful prayer from 1 Thessalonians. Please join in with Amen at the end. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who has loved us and given us eternal encouragement and the good hope by grace encourage our hearts and strengthen us in every good work and word. Amen.